this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we have made him a liar, and his word is not in us. You may have your seat. Good morning. It's good to be with y'all this morning. Again, uh, I want to announce and just continue to bring attention to uh, this Bible study, Abide. This uh, study is going to go right along with what we're uh, teaching here on Sunday morning. So ladies, uh, please come to that. Uh, also, if you have children and you can't find child care, there is child care and a Bible study for them as well. So uh, really no excuses. Um, we're uh, make right. No excuses. So all ladies, I want to invite you uh, to this Bible study. Uh, the teacher uh, of this Bible study, Jim Wilkins, she's an amazing expository teacher, uh, preacher. So please come uh, join us for that. Uh, and then one last announcement, Miss Eleanor uh, your, your class this morning brought joy to my heart. Just uh, I was studying and praying for this morning, and as y'all began to, to sing, just a reminder of those words, uh, even what we sang this morning, God, he is the solid rock on which we stand. Uh, that, that joy that brought, was brought over me, hearing uh, the ladies sing that song, uh, praise be to God for that. Let's go to 1 John. Uh, 1 John is a book that is written to us, really, a letter that the Apostle John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, his beloved disciples, what he was called, he was the man that Jesus, when he's dying on the cross, looked at this man and said, hey, you're going to take care of my mom. When I'm gone and I'm out of here, you take care of her. So, so there's this really, really tight friendship that John and Jesus have. And so John's coming back at the tail end of his life and saying, hey, if there's one thing that I want you, the church, to remember this one thing is really two things. And the whole letter is about these two things. And I think it's exactly where God has us as a church right now. The two things that John wants to remind us of this morning is this. To love God and to love one another. And John is going to say this. This is the theme verse of 1 John. If you have your... Uh, little Bibles that I gave to you. If you don't have one, come find me. We'll order some more. But in those little Bibles, highlight this passage because everything hinges on this passage. First John chapter 5, uh, verse 13. John says in this one verse the reason he wrote the letter. So he's going to tell you, hey, Everything that I'm talking about is in this one verse, but this one verse contains those two things. He says, I write these things to you who believe. He's talking to the believer. 
So you who believe in Jesus, I'm writing to you, I'm imploring to you, I'm begging you to know this. He says, in the name of the Son of God, Jesus, that you may what? You may know that you have eternal life. So the essence of the letter is that you and I would get done with this letter and we would know without a shout if we have eternal life. What John is saying, I want you to have eternal security. Because eternal security is offered to all believers. But John says, I've written these things so that you know you have eternal security. And he says, the two things you know if you have eternal security is this. Do you love God? And do you love one another? If you don't love God, you won't have eternal security. And if you don't love one another, you won't have eternal security. So this morning, now John is going to go back and say to us, how do we know if we have eternal life? So John says in the passage, I'm going to give you the message of eternal life. So three things we're going to look at this morning so that you would know. Jesus, John, God is going to hold up a mirror to us. Now we're going to look at this mirror, but my hope and prayer is what you see in the mirror is what, not what you saw in the mirror this morning. That if you come here looking in that mirror, you will not have eternal security, I promise that. So who is it, what John is saying, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? That's what John is going to say in this passage. But John says it this way. He said, here's the message that I want you to hear. This is the message that we, the apostles, have heard from him, who's him, Jesus, and now we proclaim to you. In your Bible, circle that word, proclaim. That word doesn't just mean to talk about it. That's just not, just not a proclamation. That's just not words that come out of a man's mouth. What John is saying with that one word is this. Everything hinges on that word, the message. So to proclaim something in that day would be like this. When the king gave a declaration, he would send out ones with proclamation. And that meant it is going to happen. And this is what the king is saying must happen, which meant if you're in his kingdom, you either get in line or you get out. So when the king would give a proclamation about what was coming, he's saying to them, you have to change everything about yourselves or consequences will happen. So what is the message that John is now proclaiming? He says, this is the passage. This is the message that we have heard from him and now we proclaim to you. That God is light. Now think of all the messages that John could have talked about. Now this is John. He walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He saw everything that Jesus did. He heard all that Jesus taught. He would have heard that God is love. John 3.16. He would have heard that. He would have heard that message, God is love. He would have heard and seen that God is love merciful he would have heard the message that god is 
a forgiving God. He would have heard that God is a forgiving God. He would have heard that God is a healing God. All the things and all the messages, but what's the one message he wants to proclaim? Now remember, this is at the tail end of his life. Now I don't know about you, but when you're at the tail end of your life or the tail end of something and you give a a proclamation, you're saying, this is probably the most important thing that I could share with you. If there's anything that you'll remember about my life, this is the one thing I want you to remember. Now, why would John not say it's about God's love? Why would John not say it's about God's mercy? Why would God not say, John say it's not about God's forgiveness? The one thing he says is this, what is the message? That God is light. Now, John says this over and over in his Gospels. I'll read just a handful. In John chapter 1, this is the Gospel of John. This is the same writer that wrote 1 John. John said this right out of the gate in in John, the first chapter, he says this. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Talking about Jesus. John 3, 19, right after John 3, 16. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world. And the people love darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke again to them saying, I am what the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not what? Walk in darkness. But they will have the light of life. John 9, 5, Jesus says this, as long as I am the world, I am what? The light of the world. Another place, John chapter 12, he says this, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain what? In the darkness. So John is saying to us, the most important thing that you can hear me say is what? God is light. So we have to ask ourselves, What is John talking about? What does it mean that God is light? It does not simply mean that God is a flashlight, the the way he even talks about the word of God being a lamp unto our feet. That's not what he's talking about. So what does it mean that God is light? In that day and age, light represented one thing, purity and holiness. So when John says, that God is light, he's saying to them, God is holy. So now when you look in the mirror, the only thing you ought to see is the holiness of God. Because if you have fellowship with God, then you're going to have fellowship with yourself and you'll be able to have fellowship with other people. That's in essence what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22. Remember the greatest commandment, that you would love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that you would love your neighbor as yourself. So first, we have to know who God is. Because if we don't know who God is, I promise you won't know who you you are. And if you don't know who you are in light of who God is, there's no way you're going to love other people. So the first question to you and to me, based on this message that John is proclaiming to us, is do you believe that God is holy? Is he holy? Remember what the prophet Isaiah saw when he went into heaven. 
This is in Isaiah chapter 6. I'll read the passage. It says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. So in this man's life, the Spirit of God brought Isaiah, the prophet, into the throne room of God to see what was going on behind the scenes. Now that would have been a sight to see, would it not? And so here is the prophet Isaiah who was in great relationship with God, but now he gets the behind-the-scenes look at what is going on to make sure everything else is going on. Like That's what it means when God is on his throne. He's at the throne. When, when it meant a king to be on his throne, that means that, that king was reigning supreme. And this is what he saw in the throne room of God. He said, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. What's the train of his robe? You're going to see here in a minute what the train of his robe is. I'll give you just the, the, the prequel to that. It is his holiness. Re remember the train of God's robe with Moses on the mountain. Remember Moses was begging God, I just want to see your face, God. I, I really want to know you, God, in an intimate way. And God says to Moses, you can't look at me face to face. It's too much for you. And Moses is like, what is too much? And God says, my holiness is too much for you. But here's what I'm going to do for you, Moses. I'm going to let the train of my holiness. I, I say it kind of like this. The waft of his holiness, if you will. You know, when your wife is cooking in the kitchen, and like she, she does this number with the food. It's like you can smell it. You kind of also kind of taste it. It's that kind of the essence of God's holiness is filling. Stood the seraphim or the angels and each had six wings. The two covered their, with two wings that covered their face. Even the angels couldn't look at God's holiness. An angelic being who has no sin can't even stand the holiness of God. Two, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They hovered over the throne of God. And this is what they said to one another as they hovered over the throne of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord most high. Now, every time you see in the Bible, that someone repeats themselves three times. It's a progression. It's like he's holy, he's more holy, and then last, he's most holy. There's no, there's no other way to describe it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. That's what the angels saw. Kindness, kindness, kindness is God. But the one thing they saw that filled the temple was the holiness of God. Remember what Peter says. To us, in 1 Peter chapter 1.16, you shall be what? Holy, for I am holy. Again, Peter could have said any of those things. You should be forgiven because God is forgiving. You should be merciful because God is merciful. You should be loved for God is love. But no, Peter says you shall be holy. 
he steals the verse from Leviticus 11:14, where God himself says, For the Lord your God, consecrate yourselves before him and be holy because I am holy. This is God speaking. So why would God himself say be holy? Why would Peter say to be holy? And now why would John say God is the light of the world? Why is God saying God is holy? Two things. He's pointing to two things about God. It's his character and it's his nature. It's who he is. And it's what everything else flows out of. So yes, God is love, God is kind, God is merciful, God is forgiven, God is just, but it all flows out of not his love, but his holiness, his purity. God has a pure love. God has a pure kindness. God has a pure forgiveness. Everything that God does flows out of his holiness. You see, all the other things are God's attributes but all of God's attributes come from his character and his nature. So do you, do I, do we, the church, believe that God is holy? Because if he's holy, then we're going to believe his forgiveness is holy. We're going to believe his love is holy. His kindness is holy. So do you have a relationship not with a forgiving God, not with a loving God, not with a kind God, but with a holy God? Now, what do you see when you see yourself in the mirror? Because now John is going to say, if you believe that God is holiness, the way you have relationship with yourself is going to look way different. That's what he says next in the passage. Let's look at it. Now he says, do you have relationship with God? Do you believe he is the light of the world? In him, there's no darkness at all. There's not a blemish. There's not a shadow. In his essence and character, it's as pure as pure can be. He even adds, he says there's a positive and a, and a negative. There is no darkness with God. Now for us, we can't say that for ourselves. We can be loving, but there's always that blemish, is there not? Like I love Jenny, but sometimes I love Jenny for what I get in return. Am I the only one? Sometimes I'm forgiven because I kind of want to be forgiven. Like, it's not always pure. That's not who God is. God is always pure with nothing in return. And now John says this to us. If we say we have fellowship with that God, so now he turns the passage to us. Do you have fellowship with a holy God? He says, we're going to look at one verse later on in this message at the end of the text. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him, God, while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, comma, this is the path that us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all of our sins and to cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness. So now I want to ask you this question. In light of the holiness of God, how do you see yourself? Do you truly have relationship or fellowship with that holy God? Because that's going to dictate how you have relationship with yourself. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now we read the passage, love God, love others, love yourself. That's not how grammar teaches us to read the passage. The way grammar teaches us to read the passage is, i got to love God, then i got to love myself, and the way I love God and I love myself is the way I'm going to love you. Now how many of us want to receive the love that we love God with, honestly? Like, think about that for a moment. Like, I love God, but I really love him from 10.15 to 11.15 on Sunday morning. Like, I'll give him an hour of my love. Now, you want that kind of love in your marriage? An hour? No. But if we're honest, that's the kind of love we're giving. But he says, hey, the way you love God is the way you're going to love other people. Then he says, the way you love yourself is the way you're going to love other people. Now, I want to go back to loving yourself. How many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, uh, let's see how to say this kindly. You know that inner thought about who you are and what you say about yourself and who you are? I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm, you fill in the blank? That's the way you love yourself. And how many of us want to receive that kind of love from that person? Like, if you're shaming yourself constantly, you will shame other people in your love. It's just going to come out. So the question is, how do you love yourself? You've got to love yourself in light of who God is first. Because he's calling you to be holy. Now, what does that mean? It means this for us. The first thing you have to ask yourself is this. If we say we have fellowship with God, am I what? Am I walking in the light or am I walking in the darkness? Now, what does that mean? What John is not talking about is that we turned all the lights out in here and we walked around aimlessly. That's not what, God, what John is talking about. He's talking about how are you day in and day out, moment by moment, walking with God? What does your relationship look like with God? That's what it means to walk. Are you walking with God? Are you walking in the darkness? Are you walking with Satan? John says you can't do both. So you've got to ask yourself. I've got to ask myself. We, the church, have to ask ourselves, am I truly walking in the light or am I truly walking in darkness? Now, what that means is, is my continual walking, habitual walking. I'm not saying you cannot sin. That's not what John, he's going to talk about this, this in a moment. But is my life, if someone were to really examine my life, you, so how are we walking this morning? 
He says this, not only that, how are you walking? Now be reminded of who you are in light of how you're walking because of the holiness of God. Thank God he does not start this passage with us. Everything in this passage will point us back to God, not God to us. This passage is to reveal more about us in light of who God is. We've got to know him so it can reveal to us who we are. He goes on to say, we'll skip that one place about having fellowship with one another. He says, remember this. When you have a relationship or fellowship with God, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If you have fellowship with God, you have been forgiven and you've been wiped clean. That is what the blood of Jesus does for us. There is no sin, church, that is not and cannot be covered by Christ's blood. I've said this before, I'll say it again. So many of us as believers don't live that way. We still live with the condemnation of our sin. But Paul says it so clearly, if you have been washed in Christ's blood, there now is no condemnation for you. But how many of us still live in condemnation? I promise this, if you live in condemnation with yourself, You'll never, here in a moment, I'll show you, you'll never be able to receive the love of another person. Ever. Because there's that, that voice in the back of your head that says, but if you only knew. But if you only knew that sin. If you only knew what I did two weeks ago, three weeks ago. If you only knew. Which means you're always standing at a distance from people. But Jesus, through John, is saying, no, 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 no. You've been forgiven of all those things. My greatest fear is we don't live like forgiven people, but we live as condemned men and women. So we say we have fellowship with God, but in having fellowship with God, we don't truly believe what God teaches, which is the forgiveness of our sin because of his holiness for us, because of the sacrifice of Jesus. He goes on to say it in this way. He says this, but don't, be, don't forget this. This is what he says. This is the way I would interpret it. Don't forget this. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. But then he says, but if we say we, we deceive ourselves and make him out to be a liar. The truth is all of us are sinners. So all of us, that word all means all in the Greek. You wanted some Greek? There you go. That word all means all of us in this building are sinners that have been cleansed by Christ's blood. Sin is sin is sin is sin. It means you've missed the mark. I don't care if you've slept with a prostitute or stole a cookie. It's all the same. Now, I'm not saying the consequences for the sin are the same. I'm just telling you, sin is sin is sin is sin. And God's blood through Jesus cleanses you from all those sins. And he says, this is how we know that to be true. 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and what? The truth is not in us. The truth about what? The truth about ourselves. And the truth about who God says we are. God says we're sinners. Remember what he says in Romans. All have sinned and fallen short of the what? The glory of the holiness of God. And then he says this. Let let me remind you to do a few things. Let me remind you how to have a relationship with yourself. He says, don't deceive yourselves. May the truth be in you. He says, because you have sinned, you have to do something. Don't deceive yourselves that you haven't sinned, but because you have sinned, he now says, because you have sinned, now do what? If we confess our sins, so therefore we have sins that need to be confessed. Do we all know that? Maybe even from this morning. Maybe even right now in the middle of church. I have no idea what's going on in your brains and hearts. There is one who does. He's saying to us, let the truth be in us. Let the truth, what? Reveal to us our sin. Well, what is the truth? The truth is God's holiness. When we see ourselves in light of who God is, God is holy without sin. When we look in the mirror, then it ought to expose all of our sinful places. That's what a mirror does. Like when I look in the mirror and, and I got something in my tooth, I'm like, oh, there it is. I can get it out. And so the mirror I'm looking at is God's holiness, not who I am versus who you are. Because I guarantee you this. If I'm comparing myself to you, if I'm honest, I'm better than you. I'm just being honest. And don't, don't laugh it off because you would do the same for me. You look at me and you're like, man, gosh, thank God I'm not like that dude. And I'm like, yeah, thank God I'm not like that girl. But if I look at God as the mirror, then I'm like, man, I, I am exposed. Because there is no blemish in God. Because he's pure and he's holy. And therefore, then I got to come into this place of confession. The word confession means this, to agree with. So my confession is when I look into the mirror and I agree with what I see in the mirror. I'm not like that. And I need to be like that. Therefore, I'm going to confess what I see that's true about me compared to who God is. He says, if we confess our sins, keyword if, you don't have to. But if you don't confess your sins, you will not receive the other. If you confess your sins, he says this, he he who, Jesus, are two things. He's faithful and he's just. To forgive us from all unrighteousness. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The two things we see now about who Jesus is. He's faithful and he's just. Faithfulness meaning this. He will always keep his promises. Like you confess, he is faithfully going to forgive you. No doubt about it. But it doesn't just hinge on his faithfulness. It also hinges on his justice. Now what do I mean by that? You have to have a faithful God that can give you. But it has to have some teeth to it, if you will. And that's the justice of God. 
You see, there's the forgiveness of God, but then the justice of God says, no, no, no. Not only do I forgive him, but I've paid the price for it because I'm just. Which goes back to what he said early on. It's by the blood of Jesus that pays the price, that shows me I'm the guarantor of the justice. He says then this, not only will you be forgiven, but you will be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Think of this as a story, as a way of illustrating this. You have a child, you tell your child, hey, we're about to go to church, you're about to go to school. It's been muddy out all day. Do not go play in the mud. Now, how many of those kids go play in the mud? But you told them not to go play in the mud. Right? They go play in the mud, and what happens when they play in the mud? They get muddy. So now they come into the house, they ask forgiveness. You give them forgiveness, but if all you do is forgive them, you can send them to school still being muddy, correct? But that's not what happens with God. God says, not only do I forgive you, but I give you a change of clothes. Catch that in the text. Yes, he forgives you, but now he's changed you. We often live forgiven, but we don't live changed. But you can't change yourself. God is the one who imparts his righteousness onto you. Now you get to be forgiven and righteous. There is a change that happens and occurs to you because of the forgiveness and the justness of God, and he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Therefore, you can go to school with clean clothes. But how many of us walk around still with dirty clothes? If you're still walking around with dirty clothes, internally or externally, it's because you don't really believe in the forgiveness and the justice and the cleansingness of who God is. He says this in closing, and then I'm going to get back to that fellowship with one another. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. Here's what's true for all of us. We will continue to sin. To say you will not sin anymore makes you a liar and him a liar. Which means I've got to keep going back to a daily place of asking for forgiveness, confession. Which then says I know who God is. I know who I am, therefore now I can go back to, to verse 7. When I know who I am and I know who God is, then I can go to verse 7b. He says this, then we have fellowship with one another. How do we have fellowship with one another? By walking in the light of who Christ is and by walking in the light of who I am. And it happens through confession. Confession with one another. That's what James says in James chapter 5. Confess your sins to one another and let the prayers of a holy man be heard so that you may be healed. So often, we still want to live unconfessed lives. That's easy to confess to God. What John is saying, what James is saying, there has to be confession within the body to one another. 
so that we can pray for one another. There's a saying in my line of work that says this, you are as sick as your secrets. If you have secrets, you will remain sick. Remember who Jesus said he came for. He did not come for good people. He came for the sick. But if we have secrets, we remain sick. How do we get well? We get well through confessing to God and to one another so that we can truly have fellowship with each other. It goes back to what I said earlier on in the, in the message. How many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, have had hidden secrets? How many of us, if we're honest with ourselves this morning, we have hidden secrets? Well, if I, had a hid, if I have a hidden secret, what do you think I'm going to want to do? I'm going to want to continue to hide. And if you get close, then what happens? I get exposed. So i got to make sure my secret stays hidden so I don't get exposed. But now I'm not living the victorious Christian life that God's called me to. Therefore, I can't really be in fellowship with you. What would it look like if we had a church that was truly confessional? Yet Here's the deal. We are all sinners. All of us. Now, I'm not going to put a microphone here for you to come forward and blast your sins every. But what I am asking you to do is in your Sunday school, find one lady, two ladies that you're like, man, I'm going to live authentically and honestly with that human being. There will be no secret sins in my life. Men, I pray you do the same. I get this question all the time. Todd, how many close friends do I need to have? How many of those kind of people do I need to have? I'm like, man, you need six of them. They're like, I have six? I'm like, yeah, because one day you're going to have six people carrying your casket to a grave. And my hope and prayer is there's three on the left side, three on the right side that know who's in that coffin. I, I don't want anyone to say he was a good man. I don't want anyone to say he was a kind man. He was a wise man. I want someone to say about me, man, he was an honest man. And I knew everything about him. And he knew everything about me. That man lived with integrity. If we had a church like this, we would not have a big enough building to hold people. Because then what? We expose who God is. And who is God? He's holy. And in his holiness, we get to experience, man, he really does love us. He really does forgive me. He really is kind. He really is gentle. He really is forgiving. He really is healing. But that comes out of what we see to be true about God and then how we play that out with one another. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 13, 35. The world will know you're my disciples by the way you love or be in fellowship with one another. How are we to be in fellowship with one another? We would be to, to be honest and authentic and real and live confessional lives. Here's the deal about this church. We are a hot mess 
And the moment we start getting unmessy is the moment I quit. I'm a hot mess. I'm a fallen, broken man that needs Jesus just as much as everyone in this building. I got those thoughts about myself. I got those thoughts that Satan wants to trick me to and lure me to. How how that way of life would be better than this way of life. That goes on in this brain, in this heart. I'm not some holy roller. I'm a broken, fallen man that needs this passage as much as you do. And I promise you, I have men in my life that I'm telling those nasty, dark, deep, deep, deep sins to. And my prayer is that we be a church like that. So that why? The world will know there's something different about us. So that we would have fellowship with him, with ourselves, and with one another. And that would lead to what he says in John 10.10. I've come to give you life and what? Life to the full. Is that true about us, church? May we know God. May we know ourselves. And may we be known by one another. Let me pray for us this morning.